Revelation Church. Uh, it's actually not morning right now. It's Thursday night, <laughs> our time. Uh, and we are at the church building um, doing a little filming. Uh, I hope uh, our discussion uh, this morning, or this evening, or whatever it is, is uh, helpful as, as we are um, in this kind of unprecedented situation of not being able to gather. Um, I know I've talked to a lot of you this week, and you're kind of you're kind of going crazy. Uh, you miss your people, and um, we just hope that as we um, talk about God's word and kind of what our thoughts are about the situation, um, that uh, again, yeah, it would be a blessing for you and uh, your family as you um, kind of weather this storm. So I've got Spencer with me, uh, and um, yeah, how are you, Spencer? I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, it is Thursday, and I didn't eat dinner, so oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. looking forward. It's, it's fasting. I'll just pretend Perfect. I'm fasting. Yeah, Lent. It's Lent. Yeah. So yeah, it is the, it's the fourth Sunday of Lent, um, mm. and if you've been uh, with us for the last several weeks, we've been uh, walking through the seven blessings of the book of Revelation in, um, in conjunction with Lent. And uh, leading up to Easter, at this point, we don't know if we're going to be able to gather for Easter, mm-hmm. but we figured um, while we are in the midst of a crisis, it would be wise to just have some, some rhythms and just kind of continue working through these passages as we meditate on who Christ is, who we are in the book of Revelation, as we prepare our hearts for Easter, which even if we don't get to gather, uh, mm-hmm. Easter is still coming. We're still, mm-hmm. we're still celebrating uh, the resurrection of Christ because he actually did that already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the fact that we might not be able to gather is, is no excuse to not um, celebrate um, the hope we have in Christ. Mm. Another thing to mention as we get started is we're going to be kind of working through some question and response time uh, as we put out these videos over the coming weeks. So if we say something that sparks a question, put it in the comments below and we'll, we'll look through them and we'll address them uh, next weekend, assuming we're still gathering digitally. Um, and also at the end of this video, um, you're going to hear a message from my wife, Joanna, about the children in our congregation and how they can participate in uh, loving their city during this time. She's got some art projects that she is going to um, put forth, and I think it's going to be really fun for our kids to be a part of. Um, also below in the link, there's going to be a Spotify playlist that we've put together of, um, of songs uh, to to play throughout the week and to reflect on that kind of go along with our theme in the book of Revelation. But right now, let's get into uh, the text. We are uh, studying Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. And I think I will pray and then we'll read it and uh, kind of go from there. So God, I just pray that you would um, bless your word this morning, that um, you would speak to your people, uh, that you would give Spencer and I words that are helpful uh, as we walk through this text. Uh, I just pray that you would remind us of who you are, who we are in you, and that you would just bless. Uh, And that's in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So Revelation 20, uh, starting in verse 1, says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, closed it, and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years were completed. And after that, he must be released for a short time. And then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. John writes, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So, um, Spencer, I kind of thought we would kind of get into the idea of this blessing, but first there's this, this is the, this is the really the only passage in scripture that explicitly talks about the millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big, um, a big discussion in like the end times. And so I kind of wanted to run through like the three major views of the millennium before mm-hmm. we got too far. And this is pretty academic, I guess, but, but, but I think it, it helps maybe. Um, if you're into, uh, like end time stuff, eschatology. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so there's premillennialism, which, um, which says that, that there is a literal thousand year reign of Christ on the earth after he returns. If you've, if you've been reading through the book of revelation, um, you haven't gotten there in the reading plan yet, but in chapter 19, Jesus returns to the earth. He defeats his enemies. Uh, and a premillennial view of this chapter would say that after that happens, there's a thousand-year reign of Christ um, on the earth. And uh, this view is um, helped because that's kind of what it says. That's what, mm. the, that's what the, the words say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the early church fathers largely were premillennialists. And then there's also a lot of modern scholars that hold to this view. There's a group called historic premillennialists, um, which um, think that a lot of the book of Revelation has passed, mm-hmm. but the millennium is an actual thing that's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then dispensationalists, which uh, also believe in a um, literal thousand-year reign of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then there's postmillennialism, which... Um, might believe in a literal thousand years, um, but or might believe that it's a figurative thousand years. But they would say that that thousand years happens before Christ returns, mm-hmm. and um, what prompts the return of Christ is the spread of the gospel, and the church is would would grow and be this perfect kingdom on earth. And at the end of that, Jesus would return and set up his kingdom. This was a real popular view in the 19th century. Um, and then we had World War I, mm. and everybody kind of decided that, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> um, uh, so there are, there are a lot of uh, 
there were a lot of more liberal Christians, mm. especially in the 19th and early 20th centuries, that held to a post-millennial view. And that's kind of a lot of the social gospel influence that, that comes in where, where we don't really need to talk about Jesus. We just need to do good things for people mm-hmm. um, to usher in the return of Christ. Uh, that's kind of all mixed in there. But then there's also, and even today, there are um, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving people that believe that the millennium will happen in full and then Christ will return. Mm-hmm. And then the third position is uh, called amillennialism. And the amillennialist position says that the thousand years is symbolic uh, and it represents the time between the first and the second coming of Christ. The, I think the strongest, and, and we've, we've done a little reading together on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we read a book by, I think, Sam Storms mm-hmm. a few years ago. Um, and I think the strongest argument for amillennialism is that it seems like a lot of the stuff in Revelation chapter 20 is repeating itself mm. from chapter 19. And that it's, he, John's like saying the same thing in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings up Gog and Magog later on in the chapter. And it seems like that has to do more with the battle of Armageddon, which has already taken place. Um, I think the hardest part for me with the amillennialist view is that in the beginning of chapter 20, it says that Satan is bound and thrown into the abyss and he's locked away with a great chain for a thousand years. And that just doesn't really feel like what's happening in the world right Right, now. Right. (laughs) It seems like Satan is pretty active. Um, even, uh, I think Peter says that your, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And, and if that's the case, it seems odd that he's also considered to be bound. I think the strongest view is probably the premillennial view, mm-hmm. um, although my uh, thoughts on that have um, softened over the years. Yeah. Yeah, that's the view that I grew up with. And so for much of my walk with Christ, that's all I knew. That's all I was taught. And then after we did uh, that book from Storms a while ago, um, just opened my eyes to the fact that uh, it's not an essential doctrine. Right. Um, there are many, like you said, uh, Christians who just love Jesus and are doing uh, great things uh, for him, and he's doing great things through them. And um, yeah, it's a good conversation to have um, as we study through this book that's full of mystery um, to study well and to come to conclusions um, but to understand that this is something that's still future in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the second coming of Christ hasn't happened. And so to um, you know, still build friendships, still build relationships with uh, Christians that believe differently than us. Yeah, I think that's good. So then we kind of we get closer to our, our main text in verse 6. John starts talking about the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Um, I think this is important for a couple of reasons. Uh, we believe in resurrection. Mm-hmm. We are resurrection people. This is as we approach Easter, Jesus resurrection is like the hallmark, the, mm-hmm. the capstone to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. That, and, and we believe that Jesus physically bodily rose from the dead. And, and Paul in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says that that's going to be the, tra- that's the trajectory we're on, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if uh, we die and, and, and mm-hmm. many Christians over many years have died, right? Mm-hmm. They will physically bodily be re- resurrected. Um, that's, that's a very special thing about Christianity. Mm-hmm. We're not, um, 
you know, I was, I was doing a little research. It's, it seems like Islam has some kind of resurrection theology as well. Mm. Um, Jewish um, theology is also based on a resurrection. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, uh, you know, especially Eastern religion doesn't talk about resurrection. Right. A lot of times, uh, if if you are a um, a follower of, of, of Buddhism or Hinduism or any of the more mm-hmm. Eastern religions, you want to get out of your body. Right. Like that's the goal is to be released right. from the prison that you're in. Right. Away from the physical into the spiritual. Yeah. And that's not Christianity. Like right. the, the unfortunate thing is, is I think we, we've maybe been taught wrongly by cartoons and things that, that we're going to, our souls are going to float to heaven. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit on a cloud, play a harp, or there's going to be a, you know, like strange, like amalgamation of souls under right. the, un, you know, in, un, in the throne room or something forever. And that's just not the picture that we see in Revelation or mm-hmm. in the Old Testament or, or even from, from the words of Jesus, that we will be resurrected physically. We'll get new bodies. We'll get mm-hmm. better bodies. Jesus had a better body. He could do crazy things like walk through walls with mm-hmm. his body. Um, we don't quite know what that looks like. Right. Um, but I think that's important um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I think the first thing is that bodies are important to God. I think, mm-hmm. I think that tells us that like, it, these things that we have mm-hmm. are a gift. So they have a purpose. Um, we see lots of passages in scripture. Um, Paul addresses sexual immorality and he says, this is a sin against your body. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's something, there's a big deal about mm-hmm. that. Um, we have passages that talk about physical health as not being ultimate, but also being important. And I think it's easy to talk about like, saving souls mm-hmm. or um if you if you if you talk about you know your your the real me that is right and and disconnecting that from your body i'm not sure that that is exactly it's, accurate yeah it's not as clear cut as we think sometimes yeah i think there's there's unity in the human person and and i think we we, we talk about um uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about medicine. We'll talk mm-hmm. about counseling. We'll talk about spiritual disciplines. All of these things work together because all of the parts of our body mm-hmm. work together. Yeah, I think, uh, forget what I was reading, but they're drawing attention to the fact that even um, the demons wanted to be embodied, mm. you know, and just the value that uh, bodies have to the spirits and how uh, when Jesus was casting the demons out of uh, the possessed men, the demons begged to go into the pigs. They didn't right. want to be just cast out into space, but into something. Yeah. And it just shows that um, even on a level, our, our spirits want that physical, to be bound to something physical, to have right. a relationship, to be united to yeah. something that's physical and tangible. Yeah, and even, I mean, and we don't get, we don't get a lot in scripture about what is called the intermediate state. Mm-hmm. Like the, the time, if, if, you, if you die in Christ prior to the resurrection, what happens? Right. Paul says a little bit about it, and in 2 Corinthians 5, he even makes the point that, like, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to stay that way. Right. Like, I don't want to be unclothed is the way he right. says it. I want to be clothed in this new thing. Right. Um, and so even, like, reading between the lines a little bit with Paul, it's like, it's, it's good to leave the body and be with God, but it's not best. Right. And the resurrection is best. Mm-hmm. And so this resurrection is... Um, I, I take this to, to be encompassing all of the people of God. Um, you could read this to say that just the martyrs that mm-hmm. are being talked about in verse 4 and 5 are being resurrected here. I don't think that makes a lot of sense because there's no other 
resurrection in the passage, except for the second one, which isn't good. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and so I, I think the first resurrection spans all of church history. It starts The first fruits of the resurrection are Jesus, Paul mm-hmm. says. Um, and then this resurrection is, is all of God's people. And so then we get to... Um, this idea of, of being of being blessed, right? Like, oh, how happy is how you mm-hmm. can translate that. And we've talked a lot about how uh, these blessings in Revelation are a little maybe counterintuitive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be not really what you think about when you think of being blessed. John says that blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think landing on this holy thing is is important. Um, Holiness is is being set apart, being special. Mm-hmm. And this is really the focus of this blessing. If you read Paul's letters or um, some of it, uh, the other letters in the New Testament, often the Christians are called saints. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe a better way to translate that is holy ones. And that's kind of that's who we are as God's people. Um, and I think when we talk about holiness, we can misunderstand that. Mm-hmm. Like right now we are in the midst of this coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, and I think a lot of times we can think of holiness as like being quarantined, right? Like we've, we've got this, this thing that we want to protect. And so mm-hmm. we're going to keep it out right. from the bad stuff that's out yeah. there. I mean, that's where we get monks, monasteries, that monastic. Right. Yeah. Like we need the, the world is bad. We want to be mm-hmm. away from it. So it doesn't infect us. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to hang out with those kind of people or whatever, but that's not really what holiness is about. Holiness right. is about, uh, special access. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think a good example is, is marriage. Uh, I have a, I have a relationship with my wife because of our marriage mm-hmm. that only I have access to. Mm-hmm. Like we have something that nobody else is allowed to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a, a really good example of holiness. And, and God is saying like, you are holy. So you have special access to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's more about what it's a positive view of what we have right. than a negative view about what we're keeping away. A real practical way to look at this is if you're viewing holiness as something that keeps you away from the world, mm-hmm. there might be some truth to that, but the very first thing should be how you're opened up to God. Right. Um, you know, right. like if, if I'm, if I'm describing my marriage in terms of all of the people that do not share my marriage bed, right. That's pretty weird. Right. (laughs) Or even the things that you can't do because you're married. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, well, since I'm married, I can't do, I can't go out with that person. I can't do that. Yeah. Like my priorities are all screwy, (laughs) you know, but the things that I should be focusing on my marriage are all of the ways that I get to experience life together with my wife. And I think that's how we should see holiness is that because we are holy, Mm. Look at all of the ways that we can interact with God. Look mm-hmm. at all of the things that are open to us in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you take that, you know, just the uh, amount of uh, kindness and grace and um, just blessing um, that God gives to humanity itself. You know, we all experience the goodness of God, but those that are his, his holy ones, his chosen ones, you know, those that have a relationship with them have that special access that... Um, like this is uh, exclusive, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, the family, the followers of Jesus. Yeah. I think it's important to mention in that exclusivity that, that it's exclusive through the work of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like we are, we are participants in the first resurrection because Jesus has risen from the right. dead. Um, right. 
again, 1 Corinthians 15 is like the major passage in the New Testament about mm-hmm. resurrection. And Paul goes on for 50 some verses about mm-hmm. this. And we have this hope of resurrection only because Jesus rose from the dead. And that, I mean, and as we are weeks away from Easter, the reminder that like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, all of this is a waste of time. Right. <laughs> there's, right. there's no point in, right. in being Christians if our savior is still dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jesus resurrection opens the door for us to be resurrected. I think that we can like lose sight of that. You know, I mean, right now we're dealing with this whole uh, pandemic and, uh, it is a crisis. There are things that we should be doing and being sensitive and uh, wise, but it can be a distraction. And just understanding that, um, you know, as Easter is coming up, like there's still something greater, still something more true, still something that we can rely on in a world of chaos. Um, and I think that, you know, there's enough distraction in normal life. And now that the whole world's on lockdown, the whole world is freaking out. Um, you know, it just gives us time to uh, either freak out with the world or slow down, recalibrate, come into this Easter season with the understanding that, okay, this actually did happen. How is it affecting me today? How right. is it affecting me in this time? Yeah, and, and I think reminding ourselves that our holiness is a gift, mm. um, that we've been set apart for Jesus, um, Hebrews 10.10 says that we are sanctified. That's a, that's a fancy word for holiness, right? And, and it's not in the present tense. It's not you are being sanctified, although right. the Bible says we are being sanctified. We're right. being made more and more like Jesus every day. But in another sense, we've also already been sanctified. Mm-hmm. We've already been made holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all of that is a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done anything to earn that. I mean, that's why it, it doesn't always feel right to say mm. I'm holy because I know like, yeah, I, I, I did pretty terribly this week. I really right. kind of screwed up. I don't I would, feel holy. I don't feel holy, yeah. right? Yeah. But in Christ, from the perspective that God has, we have already been made holy. Mm-hmm. Like he sees the end from the beginning and mm-hmm. it's a done deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, that should give us confidence yeah. to, to draw near to God. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing he says is, um, you know, the, the holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. If you if you've been raised from the dead, you've died. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there, that's the first death. Mm-hmm. The second death uh, is this uh, the section of chapter 20 that comes a little bit later. But it's this ultimate death. This mm-hmm. um, the the those that have rejected Christ will be raised and judged mm-hmm. according, not according to the word of Christ, which mm-hmm. the, the Christian has been covered by the blood of Christ. Those who have not uh, accepted Christ will be judged by their own works, by their right. own deeds, by who, what they have done. And um, from what we know about God, nobody, nobody meets his standards, right? right? And so if anybody comes to God and says, I'm going to be judged on my own standards, I, don't, mm-hmm. I reject the blood of Christ, they're judged and they are... Um, their judgment is what Revelation calls the second death. Mm-hmm. And this is still coming. Nobody's experienced right, this no, yet. This, right. This has is, this is not happened yet. Mm-hmm. And the second death has no power over them. The word power, mm-hmm. the word could also be translated of authority. Mm. Throughout Revelation, death is personified. Mm. Um, and even in, again, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about this a lot, death is personified. And... Um, 
I think the idea of authority is interesting. I mean, oftentimes we, we I think we think of death as just something that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of personification is death is an enemy. Death mm-hmm. is death is pursuing us. I mean, the classic example of the Grim Reaper, which is right. not a real thing, but but that kind of gets the um, the image across. What came to mind this week was was the idea of a diplomatic immunity. Mm. Like if you're a diplomat uh, in a different country they can't prosecute you for a crime because mm-hmm. you have immunity. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the authority because you're the citizen of another country. Mm. We're citizens of a different kingdom. We belong mm-hmm. to a different kingdom and death has no authority over us. Mm-hmm. Um, John five, John five twenty four says, Jesus is speaking. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. So we are, we are in a different kingdom. We have passed Mm -hmm. from death to life and death has no authority over us. Uh, The second death has no power over Mm -hmm. them, he says. Um, And I think that's, I mean, I don't want to be flippant because i think you're right we are Mm -hmm. in a a time where um things are things are bad Mm -hmm. around the world we're taking steps to uh, mitigate that Mm -hmm. there are certain people that are in danger from this uh disease but in christ death Mm -hmm. has no power over us right like even even if i die i will be raised from the dead Mm -hmm. right like and and that doesn't mean we should be foolish. That doesn't mean we should be careless. Right. But Insensitive. that should mm-hmm. ha- be a, a factor in, in our demeanor, in the mm-hmm. way we process um, difficulties, in our levels of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it should provide hope. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's definitely been used to provide hope for the dying for th- you know, hundreds right. of hundreds of years. I mean, right. is that, that like you will be raised from the dead by the power of Christ because death ultimately has no power over mm-hmm. you. Um, and I think it's important to keep that in mind, especially when we are, we are faced with death in a way that we don't often get faced with right. in 21st century America. Right. Yeah. I think this is a, a time that's very eye-opening because, you know, six months ago, there were still people that faced death like this on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, death has been a very present thing in the world, but like you said, in America today, we're very privileged. We're very safe. We're very, um, we, we aren't exposed to death in a way that much of the world is. Mm. And so just recounting, um, you know, uh, our blessings, but also, you know, Jesus is still bigger than right. any of this. And yeah. he has been yesterday, six months ago, yep. for the rest Absolutely. of history. So then we move on. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So this imagery of priests, I think, is really neat. Um, Priests are special people that have a special job Mm. uh, to enter into God's presence Mm -hmm. and have a special relationship 
with the rest of creation on behalf mm. of God. So the priests bring the needs of the people to God mm -hmm. and they bring God to the people, they're mediators. Um, and if you trace this theme of priests and presence all the way through scripture, mm. it just pops up over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So like even in the Garden of Eden, Adam mm -hmm. and Eve, um, the tree of life, the presence of God, God walking in the cool of the day in the garden. They are God's image bearers ruling over the, mm -hmm. the, the creation on his behalf. That's all priest language. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Many, many, many times God's promise to uh, the saints in the Old Testament is, I will be with you, right? Uh, when we get to the tabernacle, Moses builds the tabernacle as a place where God will live in the middle of the camp of the mm -hmm. people. God is going to be in the center of everything that's going on in Israel. And then that's transferred to the temple later mm -hmm. on, a house where he is going to dwell in, in, in the city, uh, in the center of the community. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus comes and John, uh, John calls Jesus the word. And he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Later on, Jesus calls himself the temple and they all mm -hmm. get mad at him mm -hmm. uh, for saying he is the place where the presence of God lives. And then we get to the church and the Holy Spirit, God himself enters into us. And then we're called the temple. Mm -hmm. Like we're the place where God lives on earth, mm -hmm. which is insane. Right. <laughs> but that is, that's, that's what scripture says about us. Like mm -hmm. we, this, this idea of, of being in the very center of God's presence is what it means to be part of the people of God. Mm -hmm. Last year, a friend of mine is uh, a pastor in um, inner city, and he started uh, walking around town with one of those white collars. And you know, he's not Catholic, uh, very much Protestant, but just the um, imagery that that gave the people around him and people would approach him mm. and ask for prayer. And it automatically, um, you know, in other people's eyes, put him in this place of like, oh, you're, you're close with God. Mm. You know, can I get something from you? Can, can you help me with something, you know? And um, having that mindset, not that we all have to go wear white collars, but like, no, we are different. We do have access that other people don't. And we want to share that with the people around yeah. us. Uh, just really caused me to start to think about that, you know, of like, I am a priest. Um, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the placement that Christ has put me in. Um, and what does that mean for my family? What does that mean for the people around me? What does that mean for the times that we're living in right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the important thing about that is, is it's, it's, it's not, and, 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 and this is, maybe this is a critique of more high church, mm -hmm. but it's also, I mean, low church as well. Like, mm -hmm. well, the pastor, the right. priest, the right. bishop, they have this special, no, that's, right. that's not what we read that right. we, everybody gets that. Right. Like all Christians, right. all yeah. followers of Jesus. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And that's not, um, that's not just, it's not just a nice thought. That's an actual job that we right. will have and that mm -hmm. we do have. Mm-hmm. So um, just kind of to wrap up a little bit, I think, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's always important to ask, like, what's the point? Right. Especially in Revelation, it's easy <laughs> to get like really into like, and this is going to happen and this is going to happen right. and this is going to happen. But, but what is, why do we have this today? What does right. it matter that we're reading this? And um, I think one of the things that's important is, is one of the rewards that God's people will receive is to be directly connected mm. to his presence. And I wonder, like, how does that shape how I'm living my life right now? Yeah. 
And, and I, I was thinking kind of a silly illustration, but like if, if the verse said like, um, the second death has no power over them, but they will be on God's soccer team for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Like I would, I would practice soccer. Right. Like I would care about soccer. If like, this is what I'm going to be doing in the future. I should probably figure that out. And so if I'm going to be intimately connected to the presence of God, if I'm going to have this role as this uh, mediator between creation and Mm -hmm. creator, like how does that affect my life right now? Mm -hmm. What, what would be, um, what would it be like to practice that right now? You know, for everybody that's social distancing and we're, we have our social distancing table right here. I don't know that it's six feet. I I think it's, I think it's four feet, (laughs) (laughs) but hopefully it's okay. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people this week that are like going crazy because they've got all this time on their hands. They're stuck at home. They don't know what to do. Now would be a really good time to think through what does it look like to draw near to the presence of God? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I put some things into practice in my life that will become habits, hopefully, over the next several weeks as mm-hmm. we're in this state um, that I can continue that will bring me m- more closely into relationship with Christ? Um, and again, you go back to the holiness thing. I don't want to be defined by these are the things that I don't do. Right. I want to be defined by this is the person that I drawn near to there's there's just simple things right like read your bible mm-hmm. like and, and that's i've been i've been in church since i was nine years old and everybody's always told me to read my bible because it's the thing right <laughs> it's, it's the thing that we're you know and it seems so trite and it seems so routine and like yeah whatever and i don't understand it all the time but like this these are the words of god mm-hmm. and if you want to understand who jesus is if you want to understand god better be in his book mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and then the other thing that goes alongside that is is pray i know a lot of us really struggle with prayer and, and one of the things that that I know people say to me all the time is I just don't have any time for prayer. Right. <laughs> now you do. You've got lots and lots of time for prayer now. <laughs> and um, one thing, maybe I'll put a link in the description. Um, there's a book called The Hour That Changed the World. There's this prayer wheel in the book that mm. cuts an hour into five-minute sections. And each five-minute section is a different kind of prayer. You like praise mm. to God, thanksgiving, intercession for people you know, petition, confession of sin, just sitting in silence and listening for the voice of the Spirit. Um, and I've been practicing this. Mm. Uh, and it keeps me from my mind wandering and and I, and I look and I like a half an hour or an hour just goes by really, really fast because I've, um, I've got something different to focus my mind on it, but it's all Christ the whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. And what better time to start some really effective prayer habits than like right now, right? When you've got nothing better to do. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, kind of my major takeaway from this text this week is, is if this is, this is who we are, if by the mm-hmm. blood of Christ, we will be raised from the dead and the role that we will have in his kingdom, whatever that looks like, however you parse out all the details, uh, will be to be intimately connected to his presence. Right. Um, how are we practicing that right now? Yeah. So that is uh, Revelation 20, verse 6. Um, Thank you for joining us this morning or evening or whatever it is. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I I just hope that 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 was a blessing 
I hope that um, you are um, excited about spending some of your extra time drawing near to Christ. Um, there's going to be some resources for that in the link or in the description of this video below. I, I would just encourage you to make use of this content, uh, but to not rely on it. Um, I'm hoping that this is something that we do for just a couple weeks, mm -hmm. but it might not be. It might be quite a while before we get the clearance to gather in large groups again. Um, and I think uh, some of us anyway have a tendency maybe to just go like, well, I haven't been to church in two months. Why start now? Right. <laughs> you know? And uh, just remember that like Bible content is an aspect mm -hmm. of what it means to be disciplined as a child of God, but it's not the only thing. And we need to be in community. We need to be uh, in the corporate gathering, singing with one another, praying with one another. And, and these are the things that God has created to grow us up into Christ-likeness. And, and just um, getting internet content is not going to do it in the mm -hmm. long term. Again, if you have questions about any of this section of Revelation, I won't guarantee that we can answer them, but we will try to respond to them next mm. week. Um, and there is also a Spotify playlist in the description below with some songs that we felt were kind of appropriate for the time that we're in and the passage we looked at. Um, I would just encourage you to connect with each other as best as you can. Uh, even if you can't get together, um, reach out to one another, call each other, text each other. If you're using social media, I know a lot of you have given up social media for Lent. And so now you have absolutely <laughs> nothing to do. Um, that's fine. Um, but reach out to the people in your circle. Community group leaders are going to be doing some of that work, trying to keep everyone connected uh, in the meantime. And then also, um, we're going to turn it over to Joanna, who is going to uh, offer up some, some things for the kids to do to be a blessing to our city um, while they are stuck at home. I want to leave us with Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul writes, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Um, we are in the middle of an opportunity. Uh, and... I am excited to see how the church shows a different way forward in the midst of crisis. We want to be people, um, I, Paul tells Timothy that we have been given a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And I think there are a lot of people out there that have a spirit of fear and selfishness and panic. And we have the opportunity to show a better way because of our um, allegiance to Jesus. And so I would just encourage you to be on mm -hmm. the lookout for those things, uh, whether they're on the internet. I've seen a lot of really cool stuff happening on Facebook and Instagram over the last couple of days, people reaching out and, and encouraging each other. More of that, um, if there's ways that you can keep your social distancing um, appropriate and still help people physically, um, Find out what those ways are. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to those things. Do you have neighbors that need groceries and you can help them there? Do you have friends who have kids that need to be cared for so that they don't lose their jobs? There's all kinds of situations that are bubbling up. Uh, and uh, we want to be people that see those needs and meet them in the power of Jesus. So I just encourage you to be lights where God has placed you, uh, to stay in contact with one another. Uh, and uh, as we weather this storm, 
um, Jesus will be made much of in Coeur d'Alene. God bless you. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.